You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 94, The Brave Little Toaster. Let the Toy Story comparisons begin! Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We are your hosts. My name is Chelsea Robson, and I am here with Morgan Stradling and Mason Smith. Say hi, y'all. Hi, y'all. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> in case this is your very first time listening, um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a heads up what, what it is. We are three friends who basically love animation. We all come from very different backgrounds. Uh, Mason is an animator in training. And looking for a job, so you should totally check out his stuff if you are one of those. (laughs) Also, uh, shout out to Pixar for sending me my very first rejection letter uh, from from Pixar. I've received many, many rejection letters for internships and stuff. But this one was for a summer animation internship with Pixar, and I got rejected. Uh, But it's not the end of the world. I will keep trying. That's how you know you made it. It's true. Yeah, that's how you know you're moving on up. I mean, statistically speaking, I only need like 49 more of these until I get into Pixar. (laughs) Just kidding. And Morgan is our marketing and business expert. And me, I'm Chelsea, and I love music. So every episode we get together and review a movie from the past or present. And we like to dive deep into things that interest us, like the making of, a.k.a. fun facts to impress your friends, the synopsis, the plot, random tangents, and how we rate the film. And then we even go into your guys' thoughts as well. Today, we have several voicemails, so we're really excited to get started. We really don't take ourselves all that seriously, so just sit back and pretend to be sitting on a big old comfy couch and hanging out with some of your best friends who love animation. On the big comfy couch. (laughs) Oh, good times. Today we are talking The Brave Little Toaster, which I Aww. this is my first time ever seeing. Me too. Really? It that's so crazy because it's it's a Walt Disney Pictures uh movie, guys. Eh, not official. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll get into that. But Morgan, do you have an update on our previous episode? I do. So last episode, which is our Pinocchio episode, we were talking about the multi-pane or multi-plane camera and how uh, I visited one of these illustrious contraptions. And there are only three in the world. And there's one at Walt Disney Animation Studios. We knew that there was one at the Walt Disney Family History Museum. And somewhere in France is what I was told. And, you know, of course, I could have probably Googled this. But when you're recording, you don't have time to be on the Internet. you got to focus. So we did have someone email us. And they put us in the know. One of the multi-plane cameras is at the Art of Disney Animation Attraction at Walt Disney Studios Park in Disneyland Paris. Huh. Uh-huh. There you go. So Long still in the family. Serious sandwich. Okay, so we got one at Disney Animation Studios, one at the Family History Museum in San Francisco, and then one in Paris. So basically, well, right? That's a little boring, actually. I <laughs> thought I thought there was something exciting, like it's buried in the beaches of Normandy, like, <laughs> like when, when Hitler tried to capture Walt Disney and form his own evil Disney Studios. 
That is why you are in the making of movies, my friend. That needs to happen. <laughs> that needs to happen. Well, you got to hand it to our listeners and fans. They take very good care of us. And whenever we say something that we don't know, they are instantly there to correct us or inform us. See, my my assumption was just they put it over there just in case there was an earthquake in California happens to fall into the ocean. And so we still have one left, right? Bring it to Texas. Why why <laughs> I take it to Paris? Or Arizona. Arizona is really no wait. Yeah, it is Arizona. And Arizona is waiting for the time when we finally have beachfront property. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> time will come. <laughs> it will come. I'll, I, I'll pick up smoking and I'll drive a diesel pickup and we'll get those ice caps melted for you. I'm just kidding. Get on a lot more than that. <laughs> So one last update. It's kind You're of getting married. No, Chelsea's oh. not getting married. <laughs> um, yeah, but we used to do a lot more of like, as far as like, hey, this is what's going on in our, on in our lives. But then we just kind of like shortened it to here are the big things that are going on in our lives. Um, this is something that was official today. I was I applied for and was accepted to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And wow. so I'm, Boston. Boston. Yep. You gotta talk like this now. <laughs> yes. I will Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Chelsea. It's kind of a big uh, deal. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And tell is. us how big of a deal it is, because I don't think most people understand how big of a deal this school is. Yeah, what's the deal? Um well it's the number one contemporary music school and it's the number one music business school. And it's the number two music school all around, second to Juilliard. So it's kind of a big deal, and not everybody gets in. And so I was pretty excited about that. So, yeah, yay. <laughs> so I will be moving to Boston in in the fall. So anybody who lives in Boston, look me up. We'll be friends. It'll be great. Aw, friends. Roto, Roto reunions. Yay. If you're still in Nashville, look me up. <laughs> You only have a few months left. <laughs> All right, so let's go into our main discussion. Hang on to your hats, you devil dogs, because the master blaster of all time is going to give you a soul injection. They're the five spunkiest little characters you've ever met. It's a possibility. For years, they've been waiting. Oh, you see? Is it him? And waiting. He loved us. That's right. For their master to come home. We've been dumped, abandoned. We're not going to give up hope. But now their waiting is over. We're going out to find him. What? We're going to go out and find the master. Join a brave little toaster and his unusual pals on a magical journey. I'm ready. Through a world of mystery. Light. I see the light. Fantasy. <laughs> Laughter. And adventure. It's an exciting, strange, and fantastic voyage where you'll see scary places. Hey, fellas, look! A whole lot of little creatures. A few odd contraptions. But I can't open a lab and a shaver. And some devices that are simply remarkable. Yeah. They're five plucky appliances determined to find their master no matter what. Yeah, no matter what. 
what? Join an inquisitive radio. Well, what does that mean? A bright little lamp. I'm glad we don't have to do this every day. A snuggly blanket. Mm -hmm. A crotchety old vacuum cleaner. You're telling me. And a brave little toaster. Time to go. In a heartwarming story for the entire family. Plug into the adventure of The Brave Little Toaster. So, yeah. like So like we said this episode we are doing The Brave Little Toaster, which is a very interesting film from the 80s. It was released on July 10th, 1987. Director was Jerry Reese. Um, it was kind of a few studios that were involved in this. It's a Disney film, but it's not one of the, you know, can- canonical Disney films. Um, Hyperion Pictures was one of the production companies, along with the Kirshner Lock Company. And also, you know, Walt Disney Pictures was gave some support and they distributed it. Yeah, this isn't really Disney canonical. It's more like Disney Apocrypha or whatever it's called. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a lost Disney movie or something like that. Well, it's not a lost Disney movie, but... It's not really a part of questionable but... Disney origin. Yeah, it's it. Disney was involved slightly, but at the same time, they didn't want their name totally on it. Sort of like Nightmare Before Christmas. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, let's not release that under our banner. Let's do it under that guy, Touchstone. Uh, so this is kind of in the same realm, and official then, but unofficial. Yeah, basically, they're just waiting to see if people like it, and then if they like it, then yes, it is Disney. <laughs> nice. So the budget was 2.3 million and it's estimated that it, you know, broke even basically with 2.3 million. So that's not a good thing in show business. Just to... <laughs> Yet somehow for this reason, there are multiple sequels to this film. So we'll talk about those a little later. Oh, brother. Well, you know, it was a big video home video hit. Yes. Which I found to be the biggest thing because I didn't I totally assumed that this was a movie that came out in the 90s. Because I remember when it came out on video. I did not remember, obviously, because I wasn't around really to notice things in 1987. But, like, it just, I remember when it came out on video. Did I get it? No. But I remember that. All right, let's talk about production for a second, as I usually do. And not just for a second. So, (laughs) John Lasseter, that is a name that keeps floating around this movie. And I am, I hate to say it, folks, I'm thoroughly confused. So, as it turns out, and as I'm sure a lot of you know, John Lasseter and Thomas Wilhite, who later went on to produce Brave Little Toaster, um, they did pitch the Brave Little Toaster as a, a hybrid CG picture. So they would have these um, CG backgrounds and environments, but they would uh, superimpose onto it the traditionally drawn characters. And then the lighting you know, would probably be something like what you saw in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And there were a couple of pitches like this. The other one was uh, Where the Wild Things Are, and Glenn Keane was involved in that. And then um, this was when, of course, when John Lasseter was young and at Disney. Uh, well, if, the pitch was rejected, and they also ended up uh, offending some some higher-ups at Disney Animation. And immediately after the pitch, John Lasseter was actually fired. And so <laughs> a lot of people say that John Lasseter was involved in the production of Brave Little Toaster, as in the final production. And I think I should argue that he didn't necessarily have much to do with it. One, because you can never, you can't really find anywhere like what his actual role was. I mean, I looked around, I couldn't really see what exactly he was involved in. And uh, also, he had left Disney. I know we we just said that this wasn't a real, real Disney production, and I could be wrong. He could have gone on to uh, Hyperion and, and worked in it in some way. But yeah, this was. Um, it's kind of one of those things because uh, Lasseter went on to. 
uh, of course, work on Toy Story, which is very similar to Brave Little Toaster with the whole, you know, talking inanimate objects thing. <laughs> when appliances come to life. <laughs> but this we do know. Eventually, uh, the Brave Little Toaster was reduced to just one-third of its original budget. My gosh. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually derived from a book. Of course, it was very different. The end, end product was very different from the book. So, yes, this is not a uh, unique or, or original uh, concept to Disney. It's, it was, you know, based on a book. And then the uh, story writer was actually Joe Ranft now. Right, so Ranft was a uh, story writer on Oliver and Company and The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast. And so he headed the writing for this film. And Joe Ranft's kind of a kind of an interesting character. Um, I didn't know this. He was the voice of Heimlich in Bugs Life and Wheezy in Toy Story 2. Think I feel a song coming on, <laughs> and uh, and he he did do writing for Toy Story and Bugs Life, and so he uh, was involved in Pixar. You know Henry Selleck, you know, you know director of um, Nightmare Before Christmas. He called Joe Rent the story giant of our century, which is a pretty big deal. Wow, yeah, yeah. So if you're looking to uh, be um, a story artist for Pixar, then you definitely need to. Uh, read all you can and, and immerse yourself in all you can about Joe Ranch because he's a powerful figure in Pixar. Yeah, he did a lot of the initial uh, concept art for Toy Story. You can see his name all over all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And really, uh, other than that, like it's just hand drawn. Like it, they had a lot of um, they had a lot of. I think they brought it into a small Korean studio for a while to cut the costs and. Um, a lot of the North American a- animators or the ones that uh, came out of CalArts, I should say, um, and, and stuff like that, they um, they they stuck with the, the the spirit of the film. They really wanted to, even though it was the budget kept being cut and they were doing it cheaper and cheaper, they really wanted to put some heart and soul into the film. And um, and you can see it, you can definitely see it. So this is kind of a kind of a strange. I think people like to think it was the brainchild of John Lasseter. And I'm not necessarily sure in the end what he, what he really did on the final production. But, yes, there was definitely that pitch that he made, that infamous pitch that got him fired from, <laughs> from Disney. And, and, but, but then he went on to, to form Pixar. So mm-hmm. one, of those, um, one of those things, you know. Well, before we go into the movie, I, and we're talking about John Lasseter, it, we can't talk about this movie without making the inevitable comparisons to Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Um, just throughout this, this entire viewing of the film, I'm like, wow, this is, that's like Toy Story. That's like Toy Story. This is like Toy Story. And definitely I could see how Lasseter could, was working on this film or pitching the idea and really liked it and then converted that to toys, um, in, in much, much more successfully, I, yeah. I believe, because I think just the characters are, are more endearing and appealing than, than here. Budget also helps a bit, but. So what similarities do you see in this movie compared to films in the Toy Story franchise? Hmm. Well, a ragtag ragtag group of inanimate objects that can that can talk. Yep. They're sentient, if you will. Yeah, they're all waiting for their their master. They come they come alive when when you're not looking, and they go back to normal when you're not when you are. Yep. There's a college scene, much like in Toy Story uh, Three, yes. where the the child you know comes back and you know takes these beloved objects away with them. Um, the junkyard that's mm-hmm. similar mm, to Toy Story Three as fill. well. That's like the ultimate as a toy, as a, an appliance. We cannot go there. Um, End of the line, man. So they yeah. basically took all three of the movies and crammed them into one, or the opposite. They took 
Brave Little Toaster and pulled it out into three movies. Yeah. yeah so you, you, <laughs> you can watch emotion. all three. <laughs> so you can watch all three Toy Story films or you can just watch Brave Little Toaster and it's the same thing. <laughs> in one bell swoop. Also, right. uh, other t- other new toys versus old toys mm-hmm. with the appliances. Oh, yeah. There was the new fancy electronics. Cutting edge. And, yeah. And, and how they were basically, you know, crab in the bucket syndrome. They didn't enjoy, I don't think this is really in Toy Story, but they didn't really enjoy that the old appliances were getting attention. So you got rid of them. Mm-hmm. And yep. I guess that yep. could be like Lotso. Mm-hmm. You know, very, all very, very controlling society. Uh, that reminded me of Lotso when they're trying to escape. Same thing. You know, they all right. couldn't really escape when they were in the house or in the, the appliance fixer upper guy. You gotta <laughs> shut down that monkey. There's a lot going on here. So I know we're going to be talking about it like, oh, this is like Toy Story. That's like Toy Story. So I thought we'd just discuss it all at the beginning and then move on to the opening titles and let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, the opening title is pretty ominous. Like, it starts in this, like, dreary, dark forest, mm-hmm. you know? And then it just gives you the title, you know? And the word toaster, it, it they kind of make it all blocky and with this, like, interesting shading. It really looks like the logo for the old Transformers cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know if this was just the copy that I had, but did you guys see how it was kind of, like, bouncing around the title sequence? Like, it was, it was like, wobbly? Did you notice mm-hmm. that? Cause I, I, noticed noticed I know in old films, that's what it, it did that in old films because they put a, a transparent, um, cell of the, of the titles over. Uh huh. And it would move because it was, wasn't actually superimposed. It was just a, a sheet that was on top of the film strip. Um, mm. but I don't Are you talking know. about the title or the actual like picture frame itself. The whole frame. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. You so might have just had a bad VHS. <laughs> Well, you can only get this movie on VHS or DVD. Right. You can't rent it. It's not digitally available. You can't get it from iTunes. So you got DVD or an old copy of VHS laying in your back of your house. <laughs> laying in the backyard, is that what you're saying? No, I was laying in the backyard. <laughs> well, and, and I was... A lot of VHSs find their way over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I was looking into it, um, I actually saw that apparently Jerry Reese, the director, um, he made the point that he says... While they were trying to send it around to different places, very few prints from the film were actually made for exhibition um, due to the limited funding. And then he thinks that the the print that Disney used for home video release is was the was the print that was used most extensively as it toured the festival circuit, and that's why it got it was all wobbly because it wasn't it was just so well worn. As opposed to using one of the like ones that weren't used every day. So they just day. slapped like an old worn out reel on the VHS release. <laughs> That's real love right there. You right? know what? They should make a movie about VH old VHS tapes that are lonely and they're getting <laughs> they're getting um, kicked out by the Blu-rays and the DVDs and they're like, well, no one wants to watch us anymore. Yeah, look at me. I'm an old original copy of Brave Little Toaster and I'm a wobbly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so I was like, that's a lot of love right there. Good job, Disney. Good job. But yeah, as I mentioned before, I have never seen this movie. So going into it, it it was fully fresh. I had nothing to compare it to other than what it ended up reminding me of at every little scene. Yeah, yeah. I'd never seen it either, and I knew that people thought fondly of this film. So 
I was like, okay, you know, my recollection of this movie is seeing it at people's houses on VHS and just seeing that dorky cover and the title, I don't think really does this film justice. Like it makes it seem dopey and it's actually pretty okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure what I would name it otherwise, but to me, this wasn't about the toaster. (laughs) Like, did you feel this movie was about the toaster? It wasn't about the toaster. It wasn't until the very end. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of is deceiving. You think the toaster is the one who's leading the way, but it's more about the group. So kind of a misleading title. I think Blanket had more of a, had more of a part. We will talk about Blanket. (laughs) Everyone had their moments. Except for Lamp, he was kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd seen this a long, long time ago when I was like five years old. I just have like tiny snippets of memories of watching this film. And I don't think I watched it afterwards. I mean, definitely not. This one, however, was a a favorite of my wife, Shannis. And, and she was, uh, she was uh, lobbying for it when we were wondering what we should do <laughs> for the next episode back uh, with the Pinocchio episode or whatever. And yeah, so she was really excited that we were um, reviewing this one. On first glance, it makes me think that that when you apply the uh, time-honored principles of animation correctly, you can give life to just about anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, a lot of squat, you know, squash and stretch, definitely. You know, character appeal. You know, solid drawing. Uh, actually, what you know, given Brave Little Toaster's fame as like having a lot of Cal Arts graduates. Um, involved in the production, it's it's like a 90 minute flower sack animation that you take during your you know for your hand drawn intro to hand drawn class. Just that they did a very good job of giving life to inanimate objects. Of course, you know this is hand drawn, so they they stretch, they they twist, they you know they they sag. You know they have appendages that work in very mysterious ways. They somehow get the little handles for the toast to go up and down. You know the spring load on the toaster to be um, the toaster's hands. And so there is a lot of creativity, and it, you know, it does it does register to things like Toy Story. I, although I I wonder if they made a CG version if it would be as as convincing. Yeah, I did like this film because because they didn't have human characters or animals. I feel like you weren't distracted by the animation because mm-hmm. um, I don't know what a toaster looks like animated, and it has a lot more you know leniency in its animation. And so I think it was smart that they these were basically inanimate objects that didn't really have much squash or stretch to them. They, were, I mean, you do use those principles, but I liked it. I think that's what makes this so successful and beloved by a lot of people. Yeah, and the the, the titles uh, start out with like the super cheesy classic '80s '90s like super magical music during the <laughs> intro. You know exactly what I'm yeah, talking about. Anyway, it's usually like trees and and birds chirping in the background. Yeah, and then yeah. magically we see uh, that all of course the radio's gabbering on like he does for the whole friggin' movie, uh, <laughs> and then we we start seeing more appliances that are they're actually alive. So yes, it's very very Toy Story. Toy Story hmm. slash Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. How so? Well, I mean, just the did fact- one of them make a promise? Is there a time vortex? <laughs> Is there a time vortex that I don't know about? Always, always has a time vortex. Um, I just the fact that they were inanimate, like talking, you know, and right. oh yeah, because they have those um, beasts appliances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we mentioned this is sort of like Toy Story, but you know, I had a 
hard time caring about these characters because am I supposed <laughs> to care about appliances? I so understand my childhood toy, but are you? Am I really supposed to believe that this kid loves this toaster to death and this lamp? He thought this lamp was amazing. This blanket. Mm, I don't know. I'm. I'm I can not buying kind it. of see the blanket, but maybe. Maybe, but like everything else, like the radio really didn't care. Like, I mean, unless you're like a hoarder and you just can't get rid of anything. I mean, there's those people out there that like, they no, just it's, hold it's a on. Clean to house. Stuff. Yeah, why wasn't he attached? One vacuum cleaner. And why wasn't he attached to the, the adults in the family? I mean, they probably used him just as much. Right? And the vacuum probably used him oh, more. Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> using the vacuum too much. Yeah. Why, why are they letting a kid use a vacuum, you know? <laughs> Good thing they didn't have like a lawnmower, you know. Oh, I remember when he was just five years old and, and using this riding lawnmower. You know? And then drawing, well, you know, going with your, I, I am concerned about this too. Because I was like, eh, it's a toaster. Like, if it breaks, I go to Sears and I get a new one, you know. Good old American consumerism. And um, I'm surprised this did so well in the home market because, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of people out there in the world who don't have a toaster or a vacuum cleaner or a... Or an air conditioner, and so they're like looking at this, and they're like, "What? Why? What? I don't get this." But anyway, drawing a parallel to Toy Story is not as powerful to me when you get a line like, you know, uh, somewhere in that in that vacuum bag is a appliance that once told me that life's only worth living if you're being used by a consumer, and I believe that vacuum cleaner until now. <laughs> yeah, well, you wasted your time, lamp. <laughs> like it just sounds so silly. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Although I, I will always cherish my Game Boy, though. Always. <laughs> yeah, Can't but the Game Boy is one of, like that's, that's like a toy. Yeah, that's you're right. A that's toy. a toy. An toy. Why? Toy, a child's plaything. You are a toaster. <laughs> Although this you're not like a toy like... or anything. You're just, you just make bread. <laughs> I know we're making fun of this, but this family seem to be pretty poor despite having a cabin that they've been holding on to for 10 years and never visited because later in the film no later in the film when he's he he can't find he goes back to the cabin he can't find him and the mom's like here take my lamp he's like no she's like i can just use candles and go out a lot more and read and he's like no i can't take your lamp i'm like "Uh, really like you're gonna give away your one lamp and use candles I think you need to sell that cabin ASAP if that's your problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was out of economic, you know, financial need. But yeah, irritating. irritating. Yeah, kind of an just, irritating theme. It was it's just... not that the characters don't have appeal. It's just I don't really care as much. <laughs> no, I don't. Have, I don't care at all. And that was my big issue. I just, even even as it went on later on, the part where it gets into like, the animals i cared more at that point oh my gosh we'll <laughs> go just, into that we'll go into it, but, it was it, just, but my gosh it was like i just had a hard time i really really did um and especially the part when it was like what shall we do today we're gonna charge that's what we do every day that's the other thing are you really paying for electricity in this cabin for 10 years <laughs> without going <laughs> Come yeah, on. a couple plot holes there, but I, I think they knew that that um, those would just fly over the heads of their target audience. I don't know. I think I just had a bad taste in my mouth from the beginning because I don't like the radio. I think he talks way too much. I didn't mind. But I still kind of like him because he terrorizes all the other ones. What year was this supposed to be in? I don't know because he kept mentioning Teddy Roosevelt and 
you know, things that happened in the 40s in wartime. But well, he's been listening to the he's been that old. broadcasting on the radio for forever. You know, he's an old yeah. radio. Yeah, but he didn't you know. bring any 70s references or anything is slightly more current. Although Teddy Roosevelt was like, way the heck. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. one. Well, I don't know. So I was really confused. And mm. to have air conditioning at that time, I know the air conditioning wasn't around until like the 50s. So yeah. that was a big day. Well, when... I think it is supposed to be in the 80s because you look at the new electronics later and yeah. they're slightly more up to date, a.k.a. 80s. But, yeah. Yeah. And then Lamp, Lamp with his like appliance jokes and puns. <laughs> I mean, here we go. My Lamp was, Lamp was the cheesiest character. Yeah. Lamp was the cheesiest character. I can understand the motivation of the vacuum. Definitely. I'm right along there with him. The radio, <laughs> yes, he's crazy. And then, uh, you know, the toaster is optimistic. And then Blanky is vulnerable. And Piglet, you know. <laughs> Piglet and Blanky would do very well. They Hopefully we'll see well. them in the next Kingdom Hearts, although, you know, <laughs> Brave Little Toaster doesn't, doesn't sell as many theme park tickets, so <laughs> I, guess, I guess they're they're not going to expand that. Although, think about it this way. You can wait for 15 hours in line in the hot sun to take a picture with Elsa, but to take a picture with the Brave Little Toaster, you just got to go to your kitchen. It's true. <laughs> I mean. Look in the mirror. My logic is infallible. <laughs> and Anna. You know, I'm, I'm sure they're paired up on that over there. Well, so at the very beginning, we're talking about, you know, their goal in life is to charge. You realize how sad of a life they actually have because they've basically been abandoned. They they want the master to come home, but the master hasn't come home for quite a long time. And we're not sure at the beginning whether it's just this is a summer home that they visit or the master has moved away permanently and just left a few things behind. We do find out that. Yeah, it was a cabin that they went to every single year, but for some reason stopped from the time he was like seven till the time he was ready to graduate <laughs> school. Sure, I'll buy it. Sure, why not? But yeah. yeah, they have a sad life. They're just hanging out by themselves, the four of them. Yeah, you know when the best game that they can come up with is, um, let's clean and not stop until the house is clean. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, this life brother. sucks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and they're all like, boo, chores. Like, this is definitely catered towards children. <laughs> oh, I totally had that feeling. And every Saturday when my mom was like, today we're going to get something done. That was a gloomy moment every Saturday. Yeah. Here's another note on, on the film. Like, Pixar is really good at at gags. You know what I mean? Like, visual gags. And Disney did it a lot, too. And um, it wasn't just the writers that were involved. It was like the storyboard artists and sometimes the animators would think of different gags to include in the films and stuff. And so maybe it was just the Joe Ranft with the writing, but I feel like they did a really good job with the, the gags, like the little tiny, funny, quirky things that these appliances did because they're appliances, you know, um, for example, when they're. The traveling montage and the vacuum has to go behind a tree and use the restroom, a.k.a. Uh, empty out his bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. And then, and then the blank is like looking over like, oh, what? And the toaster's like, yeah, don't, don't look. Give him, give him some space. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that. And so they do do a good job with that. But like when they're cleaning, like why does the toaster do the dusting? Why doesn't the duster do the dusting? I guess this was in the 80s before they invented Swiffer's. So go. the vacuum couldn't do it. It's a little no melodramatic. Because they, because the blanket like hears a car coming. Oh. And the blanket gets so worked up. Poor little guy. That's and then he gets so dejected. That's actually a really sad scene. It's sad. extremely melodramatic. It really drives home that they, okay, they really love their, 
their master who you know, who uses them, turns them on, gives them a purpose. But anyway, I don't so really know any of the voice actors. Yeah, let's talk about the characters. So we have Toaster, who, you know, if you didn't know anything, you think this movie was all about the Toaster, voiced by Deanna Oliver. Um, you know, and Toaster is a girl, right? Mm-hmm. It's voiced by a woman. But to uh-huh. me, just looking at the character design, I would have thought it was a boy. And the voice is kind of ambiguous enough. It's that little kid voice. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? That, you know, you, it's not quite clear. But Did listening, you know what, yeah. it's supposed to be a girl, I think. Yeah, I think it's a girl. Did you know that in the German language version of the film, it's voiced by a man? Really? Yeah, maybe it's like a Sean Connery thing where it's like a really deep voice, you know? <laughs> I love Sein Toasterfraugen or whatever. I don't know. And the toaster definitely, um, other than blanket, you know, the blanket is much younger. Is yeah. this supposed to signify that they are slightly newer or I don't know. Maybe they just picked arbitrary no, ages for everyone. I that, yeah, I think there's just kind of the, the utility it kind of reflects their, like, age, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It would be a little creepy if the blanket had, like, a grown man's voice or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where's the master? <laughs> the master. I hear his car. <laughs> I'm going to get snuggled. But anyway. Um, yeah, so I think Toaster is... A female toaster. I don't know how that, that works, but you know, maybe when I'm older, I'll find out. But yeah, and then Blinky, <laughs> uh, he even cries like a baby. Oh, Blinky's slightly annoying. I'm like, oh, we're gonna have to go on a road trip with this guy. <laughs> yeah, the, the piglet analogy is great, but he definitely is reflective of his use. Well, he pig, has a yeah, blanket p- for piglet children. Is lovable. Mm-hmm. I would. Blankets I would for just sooner throw the blanket out of the car than throw piglet out of the car. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't love him so much just because I thought he was so immature. He couldn't really help it. Nonetheless, wasn't a fan. The vacuum, a.k.a. Kirby, was voiced by Thurl Ravenscroft. You know... Most proper sounding name, yes. Yes, yes. You know, for some reason I feel like there was some type of a lawsuit or something with his name. I looked it up. I didn't find anything, but I do know that it was named after the Kirby vacuum of the sixties. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's because in the, the, the original story, which is the brave little toaster, a bedtime story for small appliances, which I will include a link. So you can find that on audible and Amazon. But initially the, uh, it was a it was a Hoover vacuum in the original book, a sunbeam toaster, a tensor lamp, just a generic electric blanket, an alarm clock. But yeah, the, those three things had very specific brands associated. Hmm. And he had Lampy to make Lampy. Stack. I don't know what you could have done to make him more likable, except be more yeah. real. I don't know. It's interesting that that the vacuum had to plug into a battery, but the lamp could just shine his light like whenever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm criticizing this movie too much, but it's like a freaking kids movie, but like, whatever. Their demographic was like less than eight years old, but yeah. yeah. Animation is for kids, yo. Yeah, it is. It's totally this, for kids. This one was. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, go, go rent Watership Down for your, your five-year-old. <laughs> All right. Lastly, we have Radio, who I actually really enjoyed because it's John Lovitz. Hi, John. Remind me who John Lovitz as- is. He's the critic. He's, he was on The Simpsons, too, playing the critic. 
<laughs> oh, oh yeah, I, I I kind of liked that show when it came out. I think I've watched like half an episode when I was like six, but I remember like mm-hmm. I was like, huh, this guy's cool. <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> oh He's my balding. Gosh. He has a great voice. Oh, my gosh. And you must be the man who didn't know if he had a pimple or a boil. It was a gummy bear. (laughs) It was a gummy bear. Yep. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, so a little bit of funny thing about him is during the pre-production, John Lovitz was cast in Saturday Night Live. Um, But Jerry Reese, who had been writing the, the character for radio with Lovitz in mind, it was like... Please stay in LLA long enough just so I can get you to record voices for this track. And Lovitz was like, uh, okay. Um, but his agent was like, uh, no, get out of there. Um, anyway, he did stay a little bit, but just because Reese quickly was able to finish the screenplay and he like brought Lovitz in and was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and so he was in the recording studio and apparently he, he recorded his entire performance in one marathon session. And I'm thinking, holy cow, that is so much work. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no man, kidding. Good That's talent, him. though. Yeah, good for him. Good so for you. Next up, we have we have a few other characters, but air conditioner. And he's notable because he's he's voiced by Phil Hartman. Oh, am I supposed to know who all these people are? (laughs) Phil Hartman. Well, you don't watch Simpsons, so no. So I'm completely oblivious. But Phil Hartman was big on SNL. Um, He's if you've ever seen the Down in the Van by a River. Oh gosh, butcher. Oh, he was the dad. He's the dad. (laughs) Well, actually, Matt, Matt, we encourage our sons in our writing. Yes, that guy. Dad, I wish you would just shut your big yapper. I'm Troy. I'm Troy McClure. You might know me from such films as, yeah, yep. No, he so was he's great. I was so sad when he died. Oh my gosh! And is that him doing this chimpanzee to chimpanzee? <laughs> yes. I hate joke. every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. Oh, they <laughs> never make a monkey out of me. Oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh. I, I was wrong. wrong. <laughs> All along. I guess they finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, they finally finally made a monkey out of me. (laughs) My gosh. Sorry I asked. That that is one of my favorite Simpsons episodes ever. It's so random, but so good. It's a a parody on Planet of the Apes. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my Great. gosh! Okay. It was the Who best wrote line that, ever. That gag because that's pretty good. Wow, this was a um, an episode that Conan. Yeah, Conan was on this one. Oh my so gosh! That's why it's so good. I'll do it. Anyway, back to the brave little toaster. Like, <laughs> well, the air conditioner. Let's do Simpsons. A- let's do Simpsons after Fern Gully. Okay, you know done. I saw yes. the Simpsons movie. Yeah, yeah, and I understand the lore of the Simpsons. I just don't know how to quote it nearly as well as you guys. <laughs> totally cool. We're totally good with that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Air conditioner's a jerk. He's a total... I can't... The word I'm searching for, I can't say. Because there's preschool toys who listen to this podcast. (laughs) But... um, Preschool appliances. (laughs) At first, he's the one that I relate to the most because I'm like, you guys are dumb. But he's kind of psychotic. And then he, like, freaks out. He's like, it's my function! I remember getting scared as a child at that point. Like, a little PTSD from my toddler years was starting to kind of ebb its way back. But 
But yeah, that was a little weird. He just kind of blows up. That was it. Well, he, he kind of just dies. It was one of <laughs> one more reason why I'm thinking you really should have turned the power off during this whole thing. <laughs> yes. When you're not it's like apparently the mom can't afford another lamp, but they can afford to keep the AC on all these years. That's what I'm saying. Maybe okay. they have a maid. People, if you ever go out of town or for a very long time, if you ever have a, a, a house, you know, a second house, turn the power off. Before you leave, and water so you too. Should never drive while drowsy. <laughs> Just turn those things off so these things don't happen. Yep. Just saying. Be on alert. Don't get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> He dies, and they're just like fine with it. What is the? Va- Doesn't the vacuum just kind of like say something yeah. about him? He's like, yeah, he was a jerk anyway. <laughs> I know. I watched it, and I was like, well, that was random, and it wouldn't yeah. be the last time watching this film when I say that. But <laughs> anyway, so here they go. I like all the little the little attempts to uh, to figure out how they would transport themselves. They had some fun with that. Hey, we'll just sit on the mattress with wheels and, and uh, Kirby will push us. Yeah. I just thought it was weird that they had to leave to go find the master. Because I'm wondering if there were other appliances out in the world, you know, they were left at a cabin for a few years and they get cabin fever and they just say, hey, I'm going on an adventure. Imagine how many appliances are going on cross-country road <laughs> trips. Goes like, I don't know. I like you really like you really do you even have an address? No, you're just leaving and going somewhere. I know. It's not like you could look people up on Facebook. How do they just know where to find the kid? Anyway. Well, they did go and look him up a la... Um, a telephone book. They just see, that they lived in the see if, they, if they just had a computer with internet connection, they could Google him. <laughs> and then send him a Facebook message and be like, hey, this is your appliances. <laughs> when are you, letter U, coming home? <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. And then uh, he would type back, WTF. <laughs> no is punctuation. This? Is this Randy? Are you playing a joke who, on me? Who dis? <laughs> D-I-S. Because <laughs> in the future, our powers of English language have deteriorated. <laughs> I-R baboon. But yeah, so anyway, if this if they ever make a, a gritty CG reboot, you know, <laughs> then they're going to have to fix a few plot holes. But, but anyway... Yeah, so they they leave. Uh, I guess their last setup is a rolly office chair that can't talk. You know, yeah, I was office chairs don't have one. souls, and um, and they attach a battery to it that make it all traumatic. Dun, da, da, da. You know, he, he grabs well, the everything was plugged in, so the that makes sense why the chair doesn't talk. All right, all right. So. Ooh, electricity gives it the spark of life. It's like the Transformers. Yes, they all spark. Just a piece of furniture, not an appliance. Uh-huh. Otherwise, everything would be coming to life. Yes. So yeah, it is not beating the beast. Yes. We can't have that. Yeah. And so they head north by northwest. Watch out for low-flying aircraft. Eh? Eh? A little Hitchcock there, people? Eh? Anybody? Nope. Nope. North by not northwest. That, not that cool. That was like the movie where they invented storyboarding for a film. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good yeah. for them. I mean, pretty much. But yeah, a uh, little little Hitchcock there. So then this film turns into a musical, and I'm sitting ah, here thinking, know, "Huh?" I was not. I did not sign up for that. No, <laughs> no. I almost had to walk out of my out of my office. I know some of the people in in the voicemail said they liked the songs, but why did we need songs? No, you know, no, because we need I songs. Totally this is uh, yeah. Well, it was it was early '90s. Well, before pre '90s. This is pre Renaissance. Like this is either on the cusp of the Renaissance or right before it. 
you know, Disney wise. And so people still had that Disney fever. Well, they're getting the Disney fever. It wasn't quite, but they hadn't even perfected it yet. Um, Van Dyke wasn't even Parks its- was the guy who did all of the songs and lyrics for this. Oh, don't forget the score. It was done by the Japanese Philharmonic Orchestra. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was played by them, which I think was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, Van Dyke Parks, first off, Van Dyke is your real name. Wow. Um, all of the songs and lyrics, you know, he used, he worked a lot with comedy shows and I could really see that after I listened to B movie show, um, just because it starts out super ominous and then like switches over to Island theme and it's just kind of, it shifts very quickly. Um, Hmm. so I can kind of see how he was trying to do some type of comedic changes thing. I, yeah, I wasn't super fan of it. And it was, you could also see the, the budget was extremely low because it was all like he did it all on his, on his computer. Well, except at that time he didn't have GarageBand, but you know, it's basically what you could have done nowadays. Mm. But I mean, with what he had, good job. Um, David Newman, he did the score, which like I said, I enjoyed. I liked a lot. And he also worked on Anastasia, Ice Age. As well as such films as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Tommy oh. Warren, you know all the classics. Um, That's quite a quite a resume. <laughs> yeah, so he's his stuff was good. I liked his. He did a lot of different things with that. So I was torn with the music. Yeah, this song, this first song, it starts off as like a you know sometimes you just gotta get up and go on a trip, and then it, it later it gets into this weird kind of spiritual metaphor for a city of light and the master, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, so riddle me this: is the master like it's supposed to be a metaphor for deity or something? Because they really like that kid. Yeah, we're supposed to we're supposed to return, right? That's true. All right, all right. Um, speaking of the well, soundtrack. I do have links to the soundtrack if you are interested. You can't, despite not oh. being able to rent this movie online, you can buy a digital copy of it. So, for those who are interested, which I think is one person, there you go. Rotoscopers.com slash 94. Woohoo! All the greatest links. More links than the official Zelda timeline. Oh, I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> okay, and so they end with a song, and he, uh, I forget what the radio does or says, but I, I really think he's crazy, and he just wants to kill everyone. <laughs> Oh He's like, nah, let's go through this thorny bush. See, nah, I'm the best. I know everything. That's It was one marathon recording session. That's why. And it's like, Radio, what is your problem? And he's just like, uh, I, I smite thee. And he starts using <laughs> his antenna as a as a sword. Oh, yeah, as they're like going into the the foul beast. <laughs> they're do you in think, the water. Yeah, do you think at some time they just... Do you think at some time they just did not have an appropriate line from John Lovitz? And they just were like, hey, let's make the radio say, like, really random things. Maybe. Or do you think it was, like, written in there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, if you're, in a, if you're in a padded booth for a marathon day, I'm sure there's a lot of crazy stuff. The walls will start closing in on you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm convinced the radio just wants to kill everyone. He needs to go. But anyway. I had a question as, you know, right after that part, they were like sleeping and now they're like made it out of the water and then nobody wants to snuggle with the blanket. Oh my gosh. Why are they that? being so mean to Blanky? There's no reason to be so mean. And first He's some, built to snuggle. Just snuggle with him. Who doesn't love snuggling? I love snuggling with my little nieces and nephews. One favorite Christmas one year I was like, I'm going to take a nap. Anybody want to snuggle with me? My little three year old, oh. my three year old niece comes up. She's like, 
I'll snuggle with you, Chelsea. And she like, oh, it was so cute. <laughs> so, yes, how would you not want to snuggle? Because they're kind that? of mean to him, which we talk about later. Even when the toaster to- is. Yeah, toaster kind of has this moment of reflection where he realizes, wow, like, I shouldn't have been so mean to Blanky. You know, that that wasn't really cool of me. And I really like that moment because it kind of teaches us a lesson and a little <laughs> principle because I'm not quite sure what else this is teaching us. Um, but I did like that because it was tender and sincere. But it just I think it's just to show that, you know, sometimes there are people who, despite being very pure and innocent and nice, get picked on and bullied and, and sure. treated unfairly. It's very true. Yeah. And uh, the animals are, are nice to them. <laughs> okay. I want to know how much acid they dropped at, when they got around to producing this part, because this is just the most random, pointless sequence I've seen in an animated film in a really long time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, CalArts guys. But uh, but can someone defend this for me? Like, why was it needed? What was the point of it? Why are they being so... Ha- I've seen rats. They chew wires. Animals destroy appliances. No, yeah, they do. And they they're all being nice and they're being nice to each other. The watership down rabbits are over in the corner shaking their heads, you know, and they're like, what the heck? (laughs) Oh man. Well, here's the funny thing is, like I said earlier, this is the part where I like, I jumped in again. I had been fading as far as my, uh, as far as my attention to the fo- to the film to the story, I really didn't care. But then it's like, oh, animals! I care a little bit more right now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that goes back to one more time why I like I they're just the characters didn't didn't grab me. Yeah, can we talk about this really tiny, weird, weird, depressing scene? It's where Toaster goes off and he's trying to hide from the frogs or whatever, whatever animals and critters are. They're just so ed up by seeing their own reflection in the toaster when they have water right there. <laughs> um, but uh, they can't get enough of the toaster. The toaster flees. And then he, like, finds this flower who's, like, sees his reflection and wants to be with toaster. And then toaster's like, nah, nah, that's just your reflection. I'm, I'm out of here. And then he, like, looks back. And, like, the he looks back and the flower's, like, sad. And it's like already dying and losing its petals. And then Toaster just like feels horrible and walks away. (laughs) So I had no clue WTF this had to do with anything. (laughs) It's like in uh, Sword in the Stone when the little... All the squirrel. The squirrel like falls in love with the guy. The lusty squirrel. And then just... Oh, sad face. Sorry, circle of life. <laughs> Not Man cannot stay in the jungle. But yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I dug this up. So the thing with the flower, if for anyone else that is wondering about this extremely random and, and depressing moment in the film, it has to do with Blanky's um, color. So Blanky is a certain shade of yellow, and, it, and um, this flower is also of, of the same color. So when the toaster encounters the, the flower... It wants to snuggle with the toaster like Blanky wanted to snuggle with toaster. And then, and then he just walks away and he make it. And, um, some people would argue that toaster is making the flower wilt. And then, uh, somebody else brought this up. Uh, you notice that the, in the next scene, uh, toaster is saving Blanky from the rats. You know, they're like dragging him away to make their ah, filthy so rat nest his, out of him. He had his yeah, moment so of. This was like a device to redemption. like. Yeah, this was a device to where the the flower taught the toaster a lesson that maybe his actions will make Blanky wilt too, and so it is. It's it's very 
it's a very deep scene stuck in an extremely silly sequence. These it's, animals. Yeah. It was, yeah, I went way. And then you have, you have this scene where a pan where all the animals are playing and then vacuum is just like glaring off in the distance. Like, I hate this. <laughs> I felt exactly like the vacuum feels. <laughs> but anyway, so after a hard, hard days, a uh, hard day of playing with weird forest critters and the, the animals talk at some point. Yeah. Like, hey, look at this. It's my reflection. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you'll suffer and shuck a tash. I wish I could uh, make my S's whistle like a gopher on Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. It looks swell. Yep. That's the wrong hey, gopher. Hey, sailing that's clear the, out of the book. That's a beaver. <laughs> yeah, like I did the beaver. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the next night, it's a little different. Uh, you know, of course, children these days, if they ever watch Brave Little Toaster, they would never understand the whole, and that concludes our broadcast day, you know, with the <laughs> exactly. national anthem. Exactly. Like, I didn't know what that was till I watched Toy Story 2. I, li- I yeah. liked that. Just was kind of a blast of the past. <laughs> yeah. Again, little, another thing that's in Toy Story. Oh, whoa. Seriously. Disney series, they, totally, they totally ripped off My Little Toaster. <laughs> my Little Toaster? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> It's like an easy bake oven, your very own toaster. Hey, Talking about blasts from a past, even easy bake oven. Yeah, exactly. My little toasters. Yeah, that was an appliance and a toy. Ooh. Yeah, see? it was more like a Game Boy. It, it did not cook whatever you. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we have this uh, we have this little moment where Lamp is like, "Hey, what's up with you and uh, Blanky? How come you're being all nice to him?" It's not his real voice, but it's kind of how he is. He's like, I feel like I should, I, I like this little exchange. I feel like I should be nice to him for a change. And now I feel better. Well, that's weird. <laughs> that's like my favorite line. <laughs> no, my favorite was right after. He's like, good night, slothead. Oh, that's right. It's like, great, great name. They kind of don't like each other. No, they don't. It's one thing to be all united in your faith in the master, capital M, but if you do not love each other as thyself and as you love the master, then what is the point of this life? It's true. What's the point of the pursuit of the master? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> the toaster has a, has a nightmare. He has a really bad dream. It's horrifying. They, I think they were going to cut that clown, but then they were like, nah, keep him in there. It's like a Watership Down where they're like, the initial shock may come at first, but over time, these children will not remember it is. <laughs> you know, they're probably like, I can, I can see him at a, a Brave Little Toaster creative meeting. Okay, guys, what kind of nightmares do toasters have? You know, so it's, it's pretty forks. creative there, but it's also horrifying. This is yeah, the moment forks. where... This is the exact moment where I paused the film to go do something in the other room and didn't realize oh. where I paused it till I came back and it was right on the oh. clown. And I don't have oh. an issue with clowns, but I'm sure anyone walking by would have been like, what is she watching? What, what's worse? that? Cl- oh, yeah, right. What's worse? That you're like at an airport. So what's worse? The clown in the nightmare or um, the the carriage guy, the Pleasure Island guy in that one that one moment from Pinocchio when he gets really devilish looking. Do you remember that? Devil. Devil guy. Devil guy. Devil's always worse than clowns. Although they're pretty close. Yeah, and so they run out of power, and then Lamp gets the bright idea of, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, because Bl- Blanky gets carried off by wind, yes. randomly. And he's up in a tree, and, and Vacuum can't help because he's not plugged in, and everything's ruined. <laughs> and so Lamp decides to sacrifice himself and, and do a good deed for 
Blinky and harness the power of Mighty Thor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't try to recharge batteries this way, kids. Like, Ratatouille in this film are bad examples of how to harness electricity. Yeah. You need to be grounded. There need to be proper conductors. <laughs> that'll, be your, that'll be your first movie. No, my, my first animated movie will be about VHSs who are in search of their master. <laughs> who've been left outside. Who've been left in, in some land. Who've been left at DI. <laughs> goodwill. <laughs> yeah, Goodwill or the equivalent of wherever. Yeah. The flea market. <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, we we keep talking about how this whole thing, like, well, okay, first, this is the first time actually the moment that I've noticed the chair. I was like, why? I I'm really wasn't paying attention earlier, apparently, that I missed out on this chair. Why is the chair <laughs> well, <yeah>. there? <laughs> I mean, this is one of those problems. It's like, it just didn't have me. Um, and then at this point in time, they like, they fall into this like random crazy forest thing. And it just reminded me of Homeward Bound. You mean with the quicksand? With the quicksand, yeah. I mean, they had the quicksand thing. It reminded me. And then right after that, they go and, like, they get taken to, you know, the little shop place, captured. So, I mean, it just had a total Homeward Bound, you know, that you remember the the dogs and the the cat, you know. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, Milo and Otis. Yes. Milo and Otis, eh, wasn't the biggest fan. But Homeward Bound was cool. Um, Good old yeah. American produced films, right? So, yeah, Quicksand yeah. is like the number one. Quicksand is like the number one peril in any 1990s movie. Yes, I feel like there's a lot more Quicksand in the 90s in Hollywood than. <laughs> it's true. Than I haven't now. seen it in a while. <laughs> we haven't seen Quicksand for a while. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Yep. Someone needs to bring old Quicksand back. Oh, uh, but instead, you know, at this point, we get Tweedledee and he and his creeper lamp. I can't bring any applying on the dead. It's not a pretty picture. I don't like doing it. <laughs> but yeah, he's a nerd with a monster truck. Like, shouldn't he be driving a Fiat or something? Something lame, like a Spark or a Tesla. Something I would lame love like to drive that. A Tesla. Well, I guess Teslas I would are too. Awesome. I don't know. I like burning fossil fuels. <laughs> and he, I like his mentality. He's like, mm, found these appliances in a mud pit, so now I'm gonna turn around and sell them to people. <laughs> it's like Tweedledee is now Sid's uncle. You know, that's where Sid that is another it. connection to Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to write a blog post on uh, a, a site post on this. It's the true. world needs to know. Yeah, he is very much like Sid. I like uh, the little gag that he he cuts the blender's cord and they they all have their oh. cords hanging out of the box and and they all hide their cords <laughs> when they see it. Like, no, he doesn't just cut it. He just rips it. Yeah, oh, so right. strong he can just rip a cord in half. I'm like, sure, you. Tubby. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you calling Tubby? Anyway. Yeah, and then we launch into another song. It's the thriller. I, it really is. How was it not the thriller? That's all I got out of that whole montage. <laughs> Appliances are lurking in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is why oh, Pixar has steered clear of songs. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is definitely why Pixar steered clear of songs. No songs. But, you know, I'm still holding out for a Toy Story musical. I mean, they did that it with Nemo cool. at the parks. Yeah, that would it be could cool. happen. Robert and Kristen Anderson Lopez wrote the music for that. Yeah, so many Good tourists things. went home with pirated footage of that musical when I was there. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. And then they, and then just like they do with Sid, they, they come, they risk exposing their world. 
Um, which they never talk about in Toy Story, but they never talk about it here either. You know, they freak him out a little bit. He's like, the appliances, the appliances are alive. Nice appliance. <laughs> and that really escalated quickly. And, and next thing you know, all of the appliances hijack a truck and go rampaging through the streets. That's how you do it. It's like, honey, we should go on more walks like this. Is that a refrigerator bouncing towards us? Oh, horrible. You're next. You're next. Oh. Invasion of the body snatchers. Anyway. Well, at this point in time, they do cut to Master and they like show the progression. Oh, we finally figure out how long it's been since he's been back to the cottage. In a long time. And then he's here with this like sassy girl. Yeah. Hello. Hey, this is the guy I relate to the most because super nerdy guy and got a got a really, really hot girlfriend. So be with him. So it can happen, folks. I mean, Big Bang Theory is kind of an exaggeration, but but yeah, look look to Brave Little Toaster, man. It can happen. <laughs> Yeah, but she's not very supportive of them. She's like, why do you want your old appliances when you just buy something new? Maybe they're just going out. Maybe they're not really in a serious relationship. (laughs) She probably just wants to get like an A in calculus or something. (laughs) But can I just say that is one awesome stereo system? (laughs) Um, Well, yeah. That is cool. Not not only that, but he lives in room A113. Yes. Of course. And then he says, hey, mom. I'm heading back to the cabin that I haven't been oh, back to in no. 20 years. Because I'm going to get all my old stuff. All they had to do was wait another 12 hours. Oh. I hate it when films do this. This is a Mason... Uh, this is why I almost... I almost... I don't know. This is why I almost lost it during August Rush. He's <laughs> <laughs> right there. Just turn around. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Yeah, I this just grinds. You know what really grinds my gears is is that is that <laughs> it, we I know hate it when films do that. They're there, Mason. <laughs> They're there indeed. But I they do do it. They pass, pass each other in the street. Anyway, which is kind of frustrating. So they meet the. Uh, what's equally frustrating is the cruelty that they suffer at the hands of the cutting edge technology, which basically just means they got a blinking light. That they can then turn into... Oh, they have a few extra bells and whistles and dials. If they attack us, we can blink them to death. (laughs) Turn their blinkers from stun to kill. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Use your karate chop action. Uh, Here's the moral of the story, kids. Computers are mean and evil. And then I didn't get this till later, but the the sewing machine is two-faced. That's why she has two faces. Uh, 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 uh. Get it? That's why she... She she is very two-faced. Although one of her voices reminded me of, um, what's that little snail? Um, Turbo. No, 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 no. (laughs) Her other voice on one of her faces reminded me of Marcel the Shell. Have you ever seen that YouTube video? Yeah. I I talk like this and, oh, yeah. You know, a Q-tip. <laughs> so, anyways, I just got a kick out of that. Yeah. Right, now I gotta watch that. You gotta watch it. It's funny. I'll send you a link. Yeah. You know, yep. if they uh, if they ever made a uh, on the script here, folks, we've wrote we wrote down BLT for <laughs> Brave Little Toaster. I almost said bacon lettuce tomato too. <laughs> so, if they ever made a bacon lettuce tomato too, um, these uh, the cutting edge technology would be like an iWatch, a 3D printer. Uh, a really nice KitchenAid and like a 4K TV, you know, mm. the new appliances. And their their song is lame, too. Uh, also, yeah. so many complaints with the scene. But like, what's with the purple lamp? What makes him so cutting edge? He's 
Was he run on solar or energy or something? He's like the lame one, the muscle that they just keep around, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, yeah they should have made him a lava lamp. Oh. That well, would have definitely yeah. been a lot more creative. Would have been retro, but that's still cooler than a regular lamp. Yeah. So they're just tossed out the window, like literally. <laughs> How have they not broken by now? How are they still what? functioning? The kid's like, no, nah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep using these guys, man. They're my friends from my childhood. And it's like, dude, we've been through a mud pit. <laughs> we've been over a waterfall. And we got tossed out of a window. And I just, I, one of us got thrown into the gears of a trash compactor. <laughs> so about that TV, he's basically their only advocate because he, he's the, one of their friends from, you know, the old days. Oh, yeah, from the old days. Hey, TV. <laughs> I like around. him. He's cool. It's like instead of the voice that comes out of the radio, he's the image that comes on the TV. Although it really did bother me when the the, the master and his friend were sitting there trying to figure out where to go to find some cool used electronics. Oh, and during work Yeah, and he's just trying to give them, you know, all these tips on the screen. Like, go here, go here, go here. But they don't see it. And I'm like, oh, you guys, just pay attention to the TV. But they don't. <laughs> hey, did I, did I see him pull out a photo of like a topless woman in, in one of the scenes yeah, um, yeah how the crap did that get past the censors i mean we had so many years right after that with you know the whole fiasco of little mermaid and aladdin and and lion king there was nothing in lion it's sf <laughs> it's sf <laughs> i understand but this whole thing you know it, it all started with brave little toaster that's my theory well it no, it, it started before that with the rescuers. Um, there, there's a, there's a, no, just the regular rescuers. There's a, there's a, um, an inappropriate for children painting in one of the scenes. Oh. But anyway, well, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, this is a lot more blatant. Yeah. Jeez. Gotta look away. But anyway, um, yeah, that, I didn't, yeah, that, that kind of ruined it for me. I was like, come on, guys. But yeah, never thought you'd see that in a Disney film. But yeah, um, <laughs> I love how the 80s and the 90s always have this terrifying portrayal of modern industrialization. They go to the dump, and it's not just a dump. It's evil, trash compactor, sinister <laughs> conveyor belt dump. Like, Magnet this is the vendetta. kind of conveyor belt that, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Blofeld from 007 would strap James Bond onto and say, No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die, you know? That's that kind of sinister conveyor belt. But, um... And then they go into this weird song about all these obsolete talking cars, again, with the Lassiter. And they're singing about how worthless they are now. And it's kind of weird. This is the most catchy song, but it's also the most depressing song in the film, in in my opinion. My favorite part of that song was the roadster with the the longhorn steer things on the front. front. And he's like, I once took a Texan to a wedding. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Texans. <laughs> we Aggies are very underrepresented in uh, in animation. I will change that though. Change it. Uh, but yeah. Um. Hey, did did anyone else catch this? I certainly didn't. But I, I when I doing my research, apparently, uh, one of the cars willingly drives into the trash compactor. I did see that, and I was like, "Say like, what?" Like car suicide, huh? Yep. Well, anyway, that was weird. I'll I'll let that slide. But other things were way too blatant. Would Would you let? How would you let this slide? If you were walking through a dump and you saw a picture of yourself, <laughs> I would be would royally feel? freaked. I would be officially freaked out. I would be creeped out. I would that change my how, status how to freaked feel. out. <laughs> like, um, 
Yeah, and then to like be horribly trapped on a conveyor belt heading into a trash compactor. Yeah, that's about quick escalation. That's crazy. I thought it was odd though when the toaster actually fell off, like because you knew he was doing something, but it wasn't like you didn't know what he was doing, and then he just fell in, and it was just kind of weird. I don't know. Oh, you mean when the toaster is actually brave? Yeah. Brave yeah. and little. <laughs> He's brave. the full the full Monty. He is brave, little, and a toaster. And he fulfilled his purpose. <laughs> oh. My question is, would that really have stopped those gears? I mean, really? Well, it depends. If it's like a nice Sears model, then yeah, probably. Yeah, true. One thing's for <laughs> sure is that their warranties are blown. Well, the back so, yeah. finds them, and that's the end. And that's that's it, you know? <laughs> They're all happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. At the end, what does the vacuum say? I still don't like you guys. <laughs> Something like that. I forget what he says. It's, like, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It was not handled great, but it was like, oh, you're trying to be funny. I didn't really take much away from this film. I'm trying to be positive about it, but I, I know. just this was one of my my lesser favorites. Maybe the people that like it so much like it for nostalgia reasons, just like Once Upon a Forest. Yeah. That is my theory. I, I predict. I predict that all the voicemails we listen to, or, the, or Twitter, you know, uh, feedback that we get, or, or people on the site, the people that really love it, will invariably say in the in, in their same comment or, or, or voicemail that they grew up with it, or that they watched it a lot as a kid. Mock my words. Okay, don't. But consider them mocked. Consider them. Yeah, but I caught something of a spiritual message here, you know. Because the the master capital M, you know, and the quest to find him and find themselves in the process, um, maybe think about this. So I don't know if you ever heard this this um, story, I guess, but um, something I, I've listened, I've I've you know taken to my heart um, was one, one time someone said, you know, I've come to realize that I am like an old twenty dollar bill. I'm crumpled, torn, dirty, abused, and scarred. But I am still a $20 bill. I am worth something. Even though I may not look like much, and even though I've been battered and used, I am still worth the full $20. So don't read too much into it. <laughs> but they went through a lot, the appliances, and the master still loves them. And so it kind of, it's it's a very spiritual thing where if you if you seek him out, you will find him. And, uh, and um, it doesn't matter how bad of a shape you are. It's like... Um, it's like when the lamp has that cathartic moment where he's like, man, one time my, my light bulb burned out and I thought it was the end of me. And then, you know, I thought I was ruined forever. And then the master came and put in a new light bulb. And so I, I get the spiritual note in there. And so, yes, I appreciated that. I'm really impressed that you got any spiritual note out of this. Yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> hey, I'm the guy who found the first Michael Bay Transformers movie to, to be spiritual. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, man, seek good wherever you can find it. That's true. But uh, yeah. but yeah, may, I mean, unfortunately, this isn't. We don't really talk about live action films, but maybe sometime I'll launch into my feelings on the first Transformers movie. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. But anyway, I don't know if the sequels are any more spiritual. We've got Brave Little Toaster goes to Mars. What? <laughs> goes to Mars. It's like Total Recall with appliances. <laughs> And then Brave Little Toaster to the rescue. Something tells me that he should have gone to the rescue first before going to Mars. <laughs> just oh. It's just a huge leap and then, yeah, just to the rescue. Have you guys ever gone on the the sh- ride over at Epcot that's like Mission to Mars? No. Mission to Mars. Don't do okay. it. 
Oh, know. that one's great. You know, no. they, I got so worked up before going on that. I was like, whoa, it's going to spin. Like, what if I throw up? Like, what if I get nauseous? Like, ugh, sometimes I, I get so nauseous. And then after that. we got on it and I was like, oh, okay. I got so sick and my brother was next to me. He's just, after we got done, he was just like, we better not be going back to earth. <laughs> it was a good time. Awesome. Anyway. Then you ride the Tower of Terror like right afterward. Uh, actually, we just went and passed out on the grass right Different afterward. Part. All right, all right. So, final question for you guys, or, or big question. In the end, should we really consider The Brave Little Toaster to be a Disney film? Oh, heck no. Chelsea says no. What do you say, Morgan? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're not going to see this in Kingdom Hearts or no no gritty, that would be a sweet uh, heavy Easter CG egg. reboots. But no, no. It would be a good reboot. Easter egg, but no. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a new. Do you still have the Captain. rights to Brave Little Toaster? Yes. Like, who that's, did Brave Little Toaster go to the That's why they Street? haven't released it on digital because it's in the vault. Mm. I don't know if that's true, but. Oh, Disney wouldn't do that. They're so benevolent and nice. <laughs> Any Anyone else who owned the rights to this movie would absolutely make it available online to rent or buy digitally. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know? Only Disney has this crazy idea that's like, no, let's, let's not make money for a while. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. In its own twisted way. <laughs> yeah, and and so ends our journey, our harrowing and, and frightening and trippy journey, you know, based on the power of Western consumerism. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Let's just go into rating it and I'll, I'll sum up my thoughts. <laughs> how many stars do you give Brave Little Toaster guys? Wow. Do you guys I... want to hear my thoughts? If I give it, I, if I give it a one star, then that puts it up with Ratatouille, and I don't think any <laughs> any you know theatrically released film should be there. No, yeah, no. Um, if I gave it a one star, it would take it down to Lord of the Rings, Bakshi style. <laughs> Did you really give that one star? I gave that one star. Holy cow, that's harsh. <laughs> Could not that's Chelsea. Take it. Could not do no it. No songs, man. Actually, there were songs. <laughs> it wasn't because of the songs. It was just so hard to watch. Oh my man, I got, I got, so, it, it what do you up. give this one? I give this one. Uh, I give. Okay, it wasn't horrible. It really wasn't. Um, I'm gonna get. I, I'm going back and forth between two and two and a half. I originally said two and a half. But I'm more leaning toward the two side just because afterward, like, the effects of it was like, meh, I really don't need to watch that again. Um, so we're just going to go with two. And for the main reasons was because I really didn't care. And all of the <laughs> – all of – it had so much potential. Not nearly as much it as – did it have that much potential? <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that later on they could make a movie like Toy Story that – you know, was able to hit all of those nails on the head. This one, it like grazed some of the nails or at least acknowledged some of the nails, you know? So it's getting really metaphorical with these. (laughs) But that's just how I felt. Like it just, I didn't feel like it had me at, at even anything. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to go with two stars. I'm going to just cut to the chase, give it two stars. Uh, I thought it was okay, but just very weird, disjointed. I didn't really feel a big connection with the appliances or the characters or really where this was going. It didn't seem to really break any new grounds. Um, and, yeah, just two stars because the songs, no, they didn't need songs. That didn't work. It relied on really cheesy dialogue mm-hmm. and 
and humor relating to being an appliance. And it just, I don't need to see it again, unfortunately. So there we go. Yeah. Morgan sums it up perfectly. I too give it, uh, dos estrellas and, uh, Spanish for two stars. And, um, thanks for translation. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Morgan just hit the nail on the head there. No, no nail grazing there with her. Um, I, I don't see myself watching this again unless, of course, Shanna wants to, which, of course, I would say yes. Um, cause you're the animation is cute, but it, it didn't really bring anything new to the genre. And it just seemed like it was crafted to, uh, be cheap entertainment for, for children. And I know it's not the animators' fault that it was cheaply made and all that stuff. Of course, there's all that bureaucracy and, and you know stuff with producers, but in the end, it is neither a, a powerful nor memorable animated film for me. And so I have to give it two stars. I'm sorry. I I don't think I will ever give a, a film that we review on this podcast just one star. But uh, Brave Little Toaster and um, freaking Once Upon a Forest, <laughs> uh, kind of pretty low there with me. <laughs> well, what did we give um, the thief, the Thief and the Cobbler? Because I remember mine was like down to two stars. I think I gave my, that. I one think two we stars. all had mixed feelings on it because it was uh, how to train your cobbler. Or what is it called? <laughs> the thief and the cobbler <laughs> was um, was so groundbreaking and such an epic undertaking. Yeah. But yes, yeah. it is. It is very frustrating to watch when you watch the uh, the Netflix version, of course. The uh, oh, the what's Miramax that company? That, the Miramax. Yeah, yeah. What's that company <laughs> that that comes in? that finishes your film for you when you've lost all your funding. You never want that happening. No, no, no. But anyway, no insult to anyone who loves this film or who worked on it, but I just can't do it, folks. All right. Next week, it's for Nicole. So (laughs) I I predict a similar forecast for the next episode. Process words accounting to and my pixel screen displays for you. Computer graphics locked into your memory. 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 With fiber optics, cast in plastic, for nights with sights and sounds fantastic. Just reach out and talk to your dear old Uncle Emery. Everything you wanted and more. Alright, folks, now comes a section where we listen and respond to our voicemails. Alright, so this first one is from Mark. Hey, Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea, it's Mark. I'm just calling because I see you guys are doing uh, the Brave Little Toaster podcast, and I'm really excited about this one. Brave Little Toaster was a film that I grew up with. I really enjoyed the movie. I think I enjoyed the characters as well as like how somewhat dark and mature the topics and whole setting was. I mean, just that whole clown uh, toaster nightmare is just, you know, indescribable. And I also remember that when I would vacuum the house, I would always be scared of accidentally vacuuming over the vacuum cleaner's cord, just like how Kirby in the movie, like when he eats his cord and he goes all kablooey, I was afraid that my vacuum cleaner would, you know, like explode after that. And the songs in the movie, I think, are really good, especially We Are Worthless, where where the the junkyard cars sing before they uh, die, I guess. And I think it's just an extremely catchy song. I just find myself singing it, like, randomly throughout the day. And even the first time that I went to a car junkyard, 
in my life, I was actually kind of disappointed because I was kind of hoping the, kind of expecting the car so I come alive and start singing. It was like the movie lied to me, but I got, I got over that very quickly. Anyway, yeah, so um, look forward to seeing what you guys have to say with a big little toaster and take care. Bye. Yeah, you know, I, I I must say I've never vacuumed the uh, the vacuum cord. Oh, I, I vacuumed always was bugs. afraid of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was never actually afraid I mean, of it, but I was like hmm, cognizant. It can't, it can't like go in there, can it? I mean, it's kind, it's kind of a thin, yeah, small opening. Anyway, but Mark thinks that the songs are good in this film. <laughs> I, I only really like one of them. The rest of them are like insane cheese ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well. So our next one is from Catherine. Hey guys, Catherine here. I thought you have actually got a couple of my emails before. Um, I just listened to your Cinderella episode. Yeah, I recently actually went to see the Cinderella movie and I was disappointed. Like, there are no songs in it. It's She sings one song. She doesn't sing any of the original songs. Like, I can't remember hearing This Is Love or... A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. It probably is in there, but she doesn't sing it. Also, it was a really long movie, and how they dealt with the parents in this movie, I think they could out, have cut out a good half hour and focused more on how she was, like, in the, you know, movie after the parents died. But, um, yeah, she, she didn't actually have to be a servant in this movie until she was, like, I don't know how old she was, but she was, like, a young adult, so she could have been, like, 15, 16, however old she was. But, um, yeah, and she was a lot more assertive, but I think that comes with whole, like, how Disney is at the moment with, you know, Frozen, Brave, that all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and the dress tra- transformation was really, really boring. It was so boring. Although I did love the fairy godmother. She did say bibby bobbity boo but she, it wasn't like a song. She just, like, said it and stuck a wand at something. It was all right. But I did like the goose transforming into... Like the person, oh, I didn't like. The, I hated all the transformations. It was so weird. But um, I did like once he was transformed. He was like, "I can't drive. I'm a goose." It was so funny. But um, but yeah, I definitely think that I prefer the original Cinderella, and I loved that movie. The cat like was a really good movie, and with all the, like the feminists, quote unquote, um, saying that they those three are not real strong characters. The Disney princesses are representative of what a woman's idea, like the ideal of women at the time, especially back then when, like, women had less power. So it was what men thought of women and what a perfect woman back then was. So I definitely, like, that was just how it was back then, and we can't change the past. But um, just because Cinderella didn't go against them, I don't think she could. Like, I have friends who are like Lady Tremaine, but... um. Yeah, so you can't really go against them, and they'll just take you back down. But I did really like the original movie, and I guess I enjoyed the remake, but I was disappointed. The original was better. Yeah, so thank you for listening, and I'll see you later. All right, Catherine, I'm so sad that you did Ah, not like... I did not see Cinderella. You didn't? Oh my gosh. I'm so sad that you didn't like it, uh, because it was... I loved it. Um, and then you said that you felt that the parent scene was too long. Honestly, I enjoyed the fact that you got to get to know her as a person. You got to get to know her background and, and just kind of see how, 
how good she had it. And, you know, um, one good thing about the soundtrack is when you listen to it, there's one, the song that goes behind that one is called The Golden Childhood. And honestly, when I listen to it, I just, I can almost think of my childhood. And I know that it's sad that you didn't have songs in there, like Bippity Boppity Boo. I mean, it was at the end of the trailers, but, um, man, uh, Patrick Doyle, he does the, he does all the score for that one. And, ooh, so good. So I definitely recommend you checking that out. All right. This next one is from Chad. Greetings, Rotoscopers. Name is Chad, a longtime listener of the show. Just wanted to say, keep doing what you're doing and give you my thoughts on the Brave Little Toaster. Now, this one is, in my opinion, one of the more unique animated films to come out in the pipeline um, because... It's appliances. I mean, who does that? <laughs> it's usually, you know, just uh, Disney character animals, mice, or Pixar toys and cars. But appliances, I think this kind of makes it as a, a unique um, dot in the blah, blah. See, I'm trying to say something symbolic, but I can't. But you know what I'm saying. It's it's good. Um, and this was actually the one film that me and my sister loved. I mean, this was the one we'd watch a billion times and quote to death and probably drove my parents crazy. But you know that as children, we are kind of allowed to do that. In fact, I think it's in the handbook. But um, yeah, uh, this has great characters and great songs. I think uh, for me, my favorite character is Kirby, uh, because I like how broody he is, um, as well as Radio. Radio will forever crack me up, just simply because his lines are so great. I mean, there's that scene where they're all riding down the river, and he just, like, quotes Moby Dick. Oh, a cursed whale from the depths of bleep I stabbeth thee. I really don't want to say what he said, because I think this is a PG show. But, uh, yeah, I also love the music. The one in the back room and the one when they're in the junkyard are probably my favorites. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, thanks for doing this one, guys. Keep up the good work. And, um, maybe I'll send another voicemail down the line. Yeah. You know, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite character, <laughs> but Kirby is an interesting choice. I guess he gets like not as grumpy in the end. I thought I I liked the radio, as likable as any of them are. The radio and blanket. I liked blanket. Well, you can't not like blanket. Yeah, I mean he was cool. He's a blankie. <laughs> oh, he likes to cuddle. Yeah. So once again, we have another nostalgia listener. This is helping with my theory of why people really like this film. <laughs> Our next one is from Mason, not this Mason, but another Mason. Oh, interesting. Hello, Rosecopers. This is Mason, and just wanted to say thanks for the Pinocchio podcast, and um, looking forward to the Brave Little Toaster. That film really uh, was part of my childhood, but it was more like, you know, it was there, you know, and I'd watch it. Um, the only thing that I remembered was the, um, was them leaving the house and they're in the forest, you know, um, granted it's like one of those films, you know, it's kind of like in the same department of Watership Down, um, not as like, not recommendation, um, I'd recommend Brave Little Toaster, but 
in terms of people knowing it, you know, it's like when people think of Disney, they think of the iconic Disney and Brave Little Toaster and Black Cauldron get lost in the shuffle. The only thing that I kind of thought of about Brave Little Toaster when I just recently saw it, um, I happened to be watching it the week before I heard your guys' Pinocchio podcast, was the fact that it was kind of, in my opinion, John Lasseter's pre-Toy Story. You know, you got inanimate objects coming to life. And so, um, you know, if you think about it, by the time uh, Lasseter came to Toy Story, um, he kind of knew exactly how to make some of the mechanisms work. You know, he knew the limits, and that's what makes Brave Little Toy, Brave Little Toaster and Toy Story um, great in their own way. So, anyways, I just thought I'd share my view on the film. It's, it's a decent film, you know. It's one of those, uh, in my opinion, one of those rainy day um, films. But other than that, though, it's a good film that everyone should get a chance to watch at least at some point. So, anyways, have a good day, and uh, take care. Looking forward to the next podcast. Aha! Again, part of his childhood. So he grew up with it, nostalgia. Yeah, so the name Lasseter, you know, John Lasseter, I think it, I think people give him too much credit for this film. I don't know. It's conflicting because some sources you, you read, he got fired from Disney right after, um, right after pitching the, the CG, you know, hybrid version of Brave Little Toaster. And, um, and other versions, you know, in, in other sources, you can, they say that he, he worked on it. Like they don't really say a specific role that he filled in it. So I'm not really sure in the end how involved John Lasseter was in this film. It, it I mean, it could very well be that he went to Hyper, um, I think it's Hyperion. Yeah. Hyperion mm-hmm. Studios and worked on it. But like, I don't know. I, looked around and I haven't really seen what exactly, but, but you're right. This film does have a very toy story vibe to it. And so the two might be related. Hello, Road Discoverers family. Ryan Prieto here with my review for the brave little toaster and amazing animation. Uh, while not technically groundbreaking, it's narrative really stands up. You really get to see John Lasseter's involvement in this project. It really seems to be the predecessor of the Toy Story trilogy, as it does hit some of the same story beats, if not all of them, and even has some of the same set pieces. Shout out to the junkyard. And even as a youngling, I identified with these personified objects and the lessons that accompanied them. Like Toy Story, this movie made me think a lot about growing up, you know, the the changing of reality and what I'd leave behind and what would care that I was leaving it behind. It, very similar things that were dealt with in The Fox and the Hound and the Toy Story movies and, <laughs> and Homeward Bound. Uh, although I thought that The Brave Little Toaster had a unique hurdle to get over. You know, how do you make the audience care about household objects? They're not lovable toys, and they're not animals. They're appliances, but they did. And at the end, I love them all. And, you know, I was crushed when the toaster was crushed, and I felt uplifted when Rob found them. And just the opening sequence can really take a person back. It reminded me of the times you just plug in a fan and talk into the back of it to distort your voice. And, you know, although moments like that don't always have their place in adulthood... 
they're made all the more beautiful because they happened. And because of that, and because of the story's meaning to me, I give this film a 3.5 out of 5. And, you know, Chelsea Mason Morgan, I really appreciate the podcast. You guys are putting out a lot of positivity out there, and I really appreciate it. So have a good day, weekend, month, and year, and life. I don't mean to be negative. You just complimented us on being so positive. (laughs) But uh, thank you, Ryan, for your kind words. We really appreciate our listeners, and we love doing this podcast. So keep listening. And our last voicemail is from Sarah. Hello, Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea. I am here to um, leave a voicemail for your um, Brave Little Toast Strips. Sorry, I forgot the movie. We're reviewing there for a second. Um, I haven't watched this movie in a long time. I think the last time I watched it all the way through was when I was in middle school, so like, I don't know, 2007 or something. It's it's an okay movie, not like my favorite. I don't really remember much of it. I remember at least kind of liking the songs, but um, yeah. Other than the songs, it's just kind of a meh movie. But um, it is an okay movie for kids, I guess. Um, so what are you guys going to be reviewing next? I think it'd be cool to continue your um, kind of uh, inanimate objects type series or in, inanimate objects come to life or whatever series and um, do Toy Story 3. <clears throat> it's just me. Um, Anywho, just tell them to leave a voicemail. I love you guys, and have a great week. And, um, yeah, bye. Ah, inanimate objects. Well, Toy Story 3 would make sense. Are we finally ready to do that? I don't know. It's I not think- like people have been asking for it. People have been, like, wasting <laughs> wasting good requests on uh, things like Once Upon a Forest. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm, from what I see, Ferngully is next. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I think 80, we'll more 80s and 90s, I guess. Yeah, I think we'll wait to do Toy Story 3 until we get closer to Toy Story 4. Ooh. Because I think that that would be a, a better way of going about it. We'll, we'll hold off, because we got to have some good stuff to really look forward to. Yeah, it might. But thank you for calling in, Sarah. And, um, Thanks, Jim, Sarah. Hi, huh? I, I kind of moved on from this film after I was like five. <laughs> <laughs> Negative Ned, you are. <laughs> I'm not a negative Ned. It's just this. It's just this film. This is just one of those episodes. Yeah. Well, guys, we have come to the end of one more amazing episode, 94. Can we all believe it? Well, today, if you guys want to know any more of the information that we talked about, head on over to rotoscopers.com slash 94 and make sure to leave a comment and review it and, you know, tell us what your thoughts about the episode or what the movie was. And we love being able to talk to you guys and see what you guys thought and, you know, Join the community. We're having a great time over there. And also, if you want to head over to Twitter and you want to tweet about this episode, make sure to use the hashtag AnimAddicts or AnimAddicts94. And that way you'll be able to stay in the know with what everybody else is talking about, too. You can also head on over to DisneyQuotes.com for all of your quote and quotables. <laughs> and you can find it on this movie and so many more. Also... 
As you know, we had six voicemails. Thank you so much, guys, for sending those voicemails. We really appreciated hearing from you guys. I I love hearing from each one of you. Hearing your voice makes me feel like there's really people out there listening. Yay! If you want to send a voicemail, head on over to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails, or you can call 406-646-6575. Make sure to support the show on Amazon and Audible and rotoscopers.com slash store are all fantastic ways to support us and to be able to add more shows to the lineup. Now, if you have just stumbled upon us somehow, I want to make sure that you know how to subscribe and how you to come back. Make sure to go to iTunes and subscribe there. The reason why is it helps us a lot. You may not realize it, but it does. It helps iTunes know that we're here. It helps other people know. And make sure to give us any feedback. We love hearing from you guys and seeing what you guys say. And also you can find us on Hypable and AnimatedViews.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything. Also, Mason, did you know that we have a newsletter now? Oh, yeah. I like signed up for it. A while back, and I'm eager and waiting for my Rotoscopers newsletter. Woohoo! <laughs> Basically, all of the best things are going to come out of that. So make sure to head on over to rotoscopers.com slash newsletter to sign up to get on the list. And don't forget, you can always find us, uh, Morgan, Chelsea, and myself on social media locations. So you can find Morgan, of course, at, Mor- at Morgan Straddling on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find Chelsea Robson at Chelsea Robson on Twitter, and then mine's a little more complicated, as usual. And uh, my uh, Twitter and Instagram handles are at Mason SMTX, and then um, I do maintain a blog, this animate this animated life dot blogspot dot com. And you know, with the semester wrapping up, I'm I'm posting things about my uh, my projects that I've been working on. I was involved in a a gaming project. I did some animations for some characters. And I was in a uh, involved in a 3D animated short that we did, pulled off over the semester. And so if you want to see more of that, then you can check out my blog. And then uh, masonsmithportfolio.com is my online portfolio. You can see my student work if you happen to be a, a recruiter at, I don't know, Pixar. <laughs> and uh, are looking for uh, a swell guy who loves animation and dedicates his life to it, to it then... Uh, Head on over there. Or if you're a fan and you're just curious about my work, as, as Chelsea said at the beginning of the episode, we all come from different backgrounds. And so you can check out my artsy-fartsy stuff on masonsmithportfolio.com. All right. And our next episode is going to be Fern Gully. Oh, He's boy. So excited. <laughs> Ooh, old Mason might be sick with the flu for that one. You know, oh due to gosh. pollution. Right. <laughs> Well, make oh, sure boy. you guys go and watch it and send us your voicemails. Let us know what you think. Be a part of this next episode. We're going to have a grand old time. Yeah, yeah I'm just wondering, can I send in a voicemail of what I think of Fern <laughs> <laughs> No, you must be there. Oh, man. No rain check then? All right. I'll be there, I promise. I know there's some listeners that want to put me through it. They want to know my, they all want to know our, our opinions and, and reviews of Fern Gully. Until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Sweet. So we uh, are doing Fern Gully next time? Yeah. I want to. <laughs> Morgan! It's Morgan who's putting us through this. No, someone requested it. I was like, hey, that's a good idea. So I put it on there. <laughs> All right. This could be our our cursed episode for the year. Ooh, exciting. Better to get it out of the way in May.
Mm, I'll mute. I'm muting for Tia. There's a bit of a delay. It, do you have this? Mason's super delayed. No, I'm not. I, I just I just waited after like ten minutes. After like ten seconds. No, you. It was... No, it was spreading. Basically, what you said is think about. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Unless that was what you were going for. Uh, yes, it was. Rock on. Production. Mm, sorry, I'm meeting nachos. Give me like five seconds. Sweet. I had nachos earlier. I want nachos. Nachos! Mm, these are good. They're made with um, barbacoa that my, my in-laws made. Yum! Mm-hmm. Gotta love the in-laws. Well, I know. I love when they kill cows and I eat it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> hey, they don't make things like they used to. That is one more evidence of, you know, designed... What is the word? It's like designed... Not neglect, but like suspension of disbelief. No, or they basically plan for things to Break stop down working. at a certain point. Yeah. yeah. What is that word? I don't know, but let's not spend a lot of time thinking yeah. about it. No. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. All right. So, we, yeah, we got the outro, and I I think we got everything. Uh-huh. Sweet. Uh, From well, Chimpan um, A to chimpanzee. That's so good. And no, I will not do a Christopher Walken impression. Don't y'all know? Christopher Walken is out. James Spader is in. After watching old Ultron. Hey, let's all talk about how Toy Story has to do with Brave Little Toaster. I mean, they got the landfill. They got the guy who, like, he likes to take apart a pile of appliances and toys. How about that John Lasseter? (laughs) 